0: hello guys and welcome to another episode of the not the top 20 podcast where crucially we have some actual football to talk about the days of predictions season previews i'm afraid we're over although i shouldn't say that was so much glee george because last week was record-breaking groundbreaking in every sense of the word for us and uh, and for not the top 20 pod just a, a, a fabulous week
1: yeah it was amazing I I think we knew that this was going to be an important one for us given that it's the only time of the year where people uh, don't look at the Premier League and look at the EFL for their their football fix but um, yeah amazing stuff Um, thanks very much to the kind people uh, at Sky at TalkSport and at the Times um, to see our name in the paper on Saturday really was something so you know, onwards and upwards from here and hopefully we can keep your attention when the uh, top tier stuff gets going over the weekend as well.
0: Yeah big welcome to all the the new listeners and followers uh, welcome we're very very glad that you're here you're about two and a half years later than many of the uh, the old heads the veterans and we love them too so thanks very much guys for tuning in basically and, and hopefully this will be an interesting rundown of what was a very very interesting week one game week one of the EFL season. George starting with with one major talking point and that is Marcelo Bielsa's debut as manager of Leeds because uh, there was so much discussed about Bielsa before it started and then the reality probably even better I think than than we expected uh, for for his first game in charge in the league especially at home to pre-season favorite Stoke.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that we put them out of the playoffs in our in our predicted table uh, showed that we well certainly I wasn't quite sold on, on what was going on I wasn't quite sold that this was necessarily the right decision we did say as like a caveat to that obviously it wouldn't be any surprise if it did work and they were too good and they're and, and going forward um, yeah so in my opinion having watched that game they exceeded all expectations entirely I thought they were really really smart I thought the way they played the way that he managed to kind of incorporate uh, Saiz, Pablo and Roof into a really fluid attacking system worked really well. I thought that Calvin Phillips had one of the best games I think I've ever seen him have um, in a deeper midfield role as well. I, I just thought the energy, they didn't let Stoke um, play. I thought that they used the ball very well. It wasn't a continental style where it was keeping the ball for for keeping sake. Um, Stoke obviously grew into it in the second half,
0: but but I think that, yeah,
1: they were, they were absolutely superb. And if they can maintain that level of form, they're going to be very, very hard to
0: beat. Barry Douglas might end up with 25 assists this season yeah. at that rate, because yeah. not only is he going to be hugely involved going forward, but more evidence that his set piece delivery is pretty much unrivaled at this level. I want to give a shout out to Katie Wyatt, friend of the pod and Bradford City fan, <laughs> a writer for Width of a Post, brilliant Bradford City blog. But she also does the live text on the EFL for the BBC. And she's been very popular with Leeds fans for the brilliant way she wrote about that game. Remember that this is live as well. So, you know, on on the nail, on the button, absolutely brilliant. Katie wrote all this in the first half as well. Uh, you can't help but purr when watching this Leeds team. This football is so indulgently easy on the eye, they should ration it. Uh, then leads have been awash with fluidity. They're spinning and shuffling and rotating all over the shop like some sort of football equivalent of a Rubik's Cube. And then she also said, this isn't funny anymore. If Mateus Click forces poor Joe Allen any further back, he'll be in 2016 and playing for Liverpool again. So that really, I think... Well, as well as being excellent writing, and thank you, Katie, for for it. Uh, I think sums it all up. We've had a couple of Leeds fans tweet in as well. Ryan Owen says, "Tactically superior, um, positive Leeds United handed Stoke City a reminder that this league is never won before a ball is kicked." Rowett has plenty of work to do based on that showing. Is that possibly a, a bit harsh? I mean. I would suggest that that's the hardest fixture that Stoke will have all season, away at Leeds' first game of the season before they've truly gelled and came up against a team that clearly has.
1: Yeah, I think something that we've discussed as well is that Bielsa's team have a habit of of falling away as the season wears on due to the high-intensity style of football that they play. So in that case, it really could be their hardest game of the season. It's hard to judge how difficult it is early on. I think you, you, you also see teams coming down from the Premier League Maybe taking some time to adjust. We remember what happened with uh, Newcastle when they went up. Uh, they lost their first two games. So I, I don't think there's much to get too concerned about there um, as someone who's back Stoke for promotion. I, I didn't watch that through gritted teeth thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Um, I think it's a very hard game. There's no real shame in losing 3-1. And, and on the balance of play, whilst Leeds were definitely the better team and deserved their win, Stoke had chances. That, especially second half so
0: that starting 11 regardless of the result is still just looks unbelievably strong yeah uh, the front six of McLean Afobe int. Uh, with behind them Etebo and Di and Allen they've got a bit of work to do to properly gel but there, there's clear quality there that uh, last thing on Leeds you mentioned it there about falling away towards the end of the season Jack tweeted us a to say wow I've never seen anything like it from us the passing play and pressing uh, was so good but he also said that two players were subbed cramping up at the end of the game uh, so that, that's game one of a early, 46, early sign there. I uh, think yeah. Uh, yeah exactly could could be interesting. Um, George, help lead me into something here. I'm going to ask you a question and I want a one-word answer. Who, which club, George Ellick? Were, were people most upset about were rival fans most upset about us putting very very high in our uh, pre-season predictions. Brentford. That's correct Brentford uh, really ground people's gears. A lot of people uh, when Sky Sports put the video on Facebook and on Twitter we got some brilliant replies. Um, someone said that we wouldn't be able to tip a cat off a wall which I thought was really good and, um, <laughs> and some woman called Karen called us a pair of sausages which got 30 likes on, uh, on Facebook. So <laughs> really good stuff. Uh, the second question is, George, uh, another one-word answer, please. Which team is currently top of the Skybet Championship? Brentford. That's correct. It is Brentford Football Club. I think, and I,
1: I think by using the, the, the league table now, you're maybe giving credence to the fact that we are actually steady sausages, because <laughs> I think this is about, has about as much relevance as, uh, as where they are before
0: that game. I and know, and it was just a little fun thing to do, but now I'm going to say why we are both very happy to see Brentford hit the ground running, which is something that we hoped would happen in order for our prediction to look good uh, to start the season. But I was at Griffin Park and I wanted to talk about Brentford five, Rotherham one. I think there's uh, plenty to sort of dissect really, because on the face of it, it looks like Brentford were incredible and it looks like Rotherham were terrible and uh, are destined for another 24th place finish with, you know, 30 points from 46 games. And, I think that the reality is somewhere in the middle. Rotherham were poor and that's that's quite obvious. They tried very, very hard in intense sunshine but as any team will tell you, uh, when you have 20% possession uh, in heat like that, first game of the season, it is going to be tough and mistakes did creep in. Brentford were very, very good. They looked like they could create a chance almost at the flick of a switch and that is really impressive and I think it speaks to them keeping more or less the same team together at this stage of the season there are rumors about Ryan Woods Lewis McLeod came in signed almost two years ago I think from Rangers had such terrible injuries but slotted in pretty well into into the into a similar role I mean it it was generally McEachran dropping really deep to to dictate play but McLeod filled the role very well and if he can keep that form I would suggest that they will miss Woods less than expected but it was what struck me especially having watched Derby the night before was the way that they're so comfortable playing together, this Brentford team. Uh, they do certain things really well. And I think one of them is using their width to create good chances. And I don't mean using their width to pump in good crosses. What I mean is when it's played out wide, what you start to see from Brentford are, are triangles and combination play that create sort of overloads out wide. And that, that allows them to work the ball into the box and create really good chances. And you saw it on a few occasions uh, on the weekend against Rotherham. But when the ball goes out wide to the winger, You'll see the winger, you'll see the fullback, you'll see Sawyers, you'll see one of the central midfielders as well drifting out there to start uh, dictating play and, and, and starting to move the ball inside. And it's, it's very, very hard to stop. This is one of the reasons why we thought a settled team could hit the ground running, because some of the other bigger teams, Leeds not included, have started the season a bit slower, by which I mean in their opening game, maybe didn't look like they'd clicked straight away. Absolutely understandable. One of them in Derby, I thought, looked like a side who... They played it out wide a lot to Lawrence and Wilson and then very rarely had anyone offering any support. So those players had to do it on their own. And at this stage of the season, they, they couldn't. Reading were, were pretty comfortable with those wingers running at them. So that that was a, a sign of a, of a good team that's ready to start the season, I think, Brentford. And they made Rotherham look fairly ordinary. So I'm going to wait and see how Rotherham do at home to Ipswich on Saturday before I cast any you know real doubts over them because I'm sure that Paul Warren will not accept defending like that. And I definitely have question marks about Richard Wood, you know, such a hero in that playoff final. Uh, but he, he he looked a little bit bamboozled about the whole thing. Uh, but Brentford, very impressive. And, you know, they, they conceded their customary soft goal at the end from a, a sort of bobbled around after a long throw. Not ideal, but really enjoyed myself at Griffin Park. Thought that Brentford looked strong and we'll obviously be keeping an eye on them as the season goes on. One of the relegated teams that we haven't touched on uh, we've spoken about Stoke, so two more. Swansea got an amazing away win at Sheffield United in front of the Sky cameras on Saturday. Was it uh, sort of smash and grab, or do you think they, you know, did, did they deserve it? Are we thinking, gosh, maybe they are ready to hit the ground running?
1: No, I mean, it's, it's obviously a great result, but I don't think there's much to be seen in that game to suggest that they are ready to step straight back up. Um, I think that there's obviously signs of... They're not, you know, if you look, compare their start to West Brom, for example, West Brom have obviously had a, had a horrible start with that loss at home to, to Bolton. Swansea have at least got their three points on the board straight away to, to appease fans. I think Graham Potter getting his first win is very important as well. Ollie McBurney getting his first league goal for the club can only be a good thing given that he's likely to be their main source of goals. You know, one of their very few signings this summer getting the winner with his first touch of the ball for the club as well. They're all good things. Um, I think on the balance of play, for 75 minutes they probably didn't deserve the win but you can't argue with two late goals to to do it and uh, against a decent team as well so all in all a fantastic start for them
0: Yeah it was Uh, Montero off the bench looked a real danger a real threat two things I wanted to point out from that game uh, we heard from Milo, who's a Swansea fan. Thanks for your tweet, Milo. He said, it was a slow start, but we showed great character coming back from a goal down to win. Maybe that's something to do with Graham Potter already instilling the sort of character that we saw in his, teams out, or his team out in Sweden. Uh, Mackay was great, Selena impressive, Montero lethal as a super sub. If we get Ryan Woods and a backup striker, then things will start to look good for us. So good bit of positivity for Swansea. Um, I wanted to point out the Sheffield United goal scored by George Baldock, who's one of your favourite EFL players. Uh, the ball was worked down the left hand side and balled up the right wing back, very unusually, I think, came inside and basically joined the attack in the left hand channel. Uh, and you, you so really see that, so rarely see that I should say, from full backs or wing backs. And no one really knew who was meant to pick him up because I don't think the left winger went across with him. And what it meant was, uh, uh, you know, I keep mentioning overloads, but that's what it created. And Bulldog sort of peeled off uh, great movement, free on the edge of the box and scored a great goal. So, uh, you know, more outside of the box thinking from a a Chris Wilder, Sheffield United team. And maybe I'm giving them too much credit there, but we saw things like that last season. Uh, They do things that that just seems a little bit different. Uh, And lastly, on Jan Dander, uh, the the Swansea goalscorer with his first touch, um, I think... I would like to echo a tweet that I saw which said, it is nice to see some representation of the Asian community in football. Super happy for him. I think that that's uh, something that we definitely echo, uh, very much underrepresented as a community in English football. And uh, players like Jan Dunder hopefully will be coming through over the next few years. Dunder certainly looks very, very good. West Brom, on the other hand, George, lost at home to pre-season relegation favourites, Bolton. Uh, this was a game with a lot of chances from set pieces. Uh, a game that, looking at the chances that Hagazi had, especially, probably could have gone the other way. Uh, lots of possession from West Brom, but struggled to create anything really clear-cut. I think from open play, it's fair to say. So, well done to Phil Parkinson and to Bolton because, you know, we said that they looked weaker than before but McGuinness scored and uh, Amiobi played well and they've got a a valuable three points
1: yeah I mean again it's important to point out that it's very early days for both teams and I think that I think we can all expect West Brom to finish above Bolton come the end of the season but these are three very important points to kick off the season for for Parkey um, leave last season behind Uh, they're still in the championship and with West Brom I think we can give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back because we we thought they might struggle and then you've uh, particularly highlighted Harvey Barnes as a possible um, star and he scored without a doubt the goal of the weekend unbelievable strike (laughs) so all in all uh, cutting onto his left foot as we said he might do so yeah uh, again this is going to be tough for West Brom Um, obviously Jay Rodriguez leading the line with Harry Robson Carney behind it does sound like a decent team on paper but you have to wonder if, if Rodriguez is going to be there, um, and I'm not entirely sure. Robertson Carne is the player that they necessarily need. So I think they do need to revamp that attacking lineup. Barnes, obviously the, prom- the promising one, but uh, I think when when the fixtures came out, West Brom couldn't really have asked for a better uh, looking opening game. So to have made a mess of it, especially conceding an 89th minute um, goal to, to be defeated. It's, it's now it's gone from being what should have been the perfect start into a bit of a nightmare start, and they're going to have to rally pretty quickly. Not
0: great, was it? So we're going to nip through a couple more championship games. Sorry if we don't get to your team's game this week. Obviously, we can't go through every single one, so we have to pick certain ones to go through. Wigan, their first game, back in the championship, a 3-2 win at home to Sheffield Wednesday. A brilliant game for the neutral this one. Neither side, as Andrew Gill tweeted us, looked good in defence at all. And an interesting one for the entity twenty betting show Andrew Gill reckons that these two teams going forward are definite BTTS candidates so Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday we'll be keeping an eye on uh, Wigan quickly discovered they could get to Sheffield Wednesday behind the wing backs late runners to the box did damage now that translated into a hell of a performance from Michael Jacobs uh, a cracker of a performance I should say he always seemed to be in space he hit the bar from range he scored two he got the assist for Powell's goal as well so uh, stepping up well so far Michael Jacobs Sheffield Wednesday's second goal scored by Forestieri was brilliant and uh, yeah just a really good game definitely catch the highlights on that if you can uh, one other quick one Preston got a, an opening day win. I think, though, a 1 0 win at home to QPR when again Preston with a dominant team struggling to penetrate from open play and scoring a goal from a set piece. I don't necessarily think that that really encouraged a huge amount of positivity, especially after the injuries to Maguire and Bowden, which leave Preston quite short up front. And uh, Ollie Dawes, who's a great friend of the pod, he is a big Preston fan. He's not sure that they're going to see the type of investment that that the fans would consider that they need in a striker. And that could be a difference between them finishing in the playoffs like we predicted and uh, and being basically the same as, as last season. So Ollie says, good build-up play, lacking the final ball. Don't have the attacking options to build on last season's showing. So, uh, you know, a win for Preston, but not necessarily one that, that left everyone feeling that positive. And lastly, George, Reading and Derby kicked us off on Friday night. And it was a... It's a bit of an odd game, I think it's fair yeah. to say. Um, you know, how did you see that one at the time?
1: I thought Reading were, were quite good. Um, I was a bit surprised to see their, their level of energy, um, the uh, willingness to stop Derby from playing. Um, I tweeted saying that they had completed only 17 passes after 11 minutes. That actually continued up to 14 minutes. So 17 passes in 14 minutes, but... There was no denying their quality off the ball, even if they didn't necessarily show it on the ball. Um, and I thought they were very unlucky to, to lose the game. I think that, given how much luck they've had in winning games in recent years, maybe it's about time they uh, they lost the game when when playing well. But
0: uh, I, I think I texted you or someone else saying I think Stan might have done a deal with the devil in, yeah. in sixteen seventeen because they're they're really getting the other side of the coin now.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. But but it's, it's promising going forward. And I think that for, for Derby fans watching on, seeing. Uh, their team get past what was a, a really gutsy display from, from Reading, um, was important, and that's an absolutely fantastic goal as well. Um, a brilliant ball in, and, and what a header from Tom Lawrence, uh, from you know just inside his own area, ball coming in at pace. So, yeah, I, uh, I it's, it's hard to take much out of it. I, I'm not too gutted with my you know, as someone who's obviously back Reading to go down, watching that, I'm not. Tearing up my bet slip, but mm. at the same time they were better than I thought they would be. It's just whether or not they can keep that level of intensity up going into the season. It's whether or not they can bounce back from that defeat and show that level of of quality in certain areas again. I'm, I'm still not so sure, but but definitely a a better start for Reading than the score suggests.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I. I didn't think they were that good but that that press did give them a few openings I thought both teams were really poor in possession Uh, Derby had most of it about 70% possession and were really really disappointing uh, for me Uh, they as I mentioned earlier they were just asking their wingers to do everything on their own and and you can't do that if you're going to have that much possession you have to be patient you have to find this sort of combination play that I was discussing with Brentford earlier whether that involves the fullbacks and the central midfields drifting wide and working it a little bit more then that, you know, that's fine. Whether Lawrence is the type of player that can play that sort of combination play or whether he's too individualistic, I don't know. Of course, his goal was fantastic, but I'm always looking for a bit more from Lawrence in a Derbyshire. And even, even despite an incredible winner, uh, I'm still going to be asking for more from him. Harry Wilson, hopefully, will, will grow into that role on the right as well. But I just felt a bit bad for Dave Nugent more than anything. Um, his work rate never questioned, but it just never looked like he was going to be serviced as, uh, as the Nuge would like to be serviced. Just a quick one, uh, George, because uh, you know we like our stats. Considering that Info goal had Lawrence's goal in terms of XG at 0.03, uh, then I reckon at the point of Bennett's cross... I mean, the, pos- the probability of the goal being scored must have been yeah. about 0.002. Uh, absolutely brilliant. That's why we love football. It was a great start to the season. And I think we were, we were a bit spoiled, really, in, in terms of, um, of the games over the weekend on Sky. Uh, late winners, uh, plenty of excitement. We'll see what happens with Hull and Villa tonight. Villa, obviously, my nap on the NTT20 betting show, which is our new Thursday show, bite-sized, easily digestible, 15 to 20 minutes each week, guys. For those of you who are into punting, into finding a bit of value and trying to beat the bookies when it comes to betting on the EFL, then hopefully you'll enjoy that one. And uh, we'll obviously be keeping the Monday podcast, uh, same as always, except much more regular. So uh, lots to be excited about in terms of NTT20 this season. League One happened as well, George, and the team at the top of League One are Barnsley, and they're at the top of League One because they beat Oxford 4-0, and I don't know what you've read, but tell me what you've heard from Yellows fans. It (sighs) sounded like an absolute shellacking.
1: Yeah, um, thankfully I couldn't go. Um, But from most reports from home and away fans, it sounds like 4-0 was flattering uh, to the away team so it sounds like Barnsley were the better better uh, team in every single department um, they scored their opening goal when Oxford were down, were down to 10 men because of an injury but I don't think that really makes any difference at the end of the day um, the goals look pretty simple um, a, a couple of good strikes from outside the area opening up again we, we had Barnsley finishing top of the league in our predictions um, so it's probably arguably the hardest game of the season out of the way but but losing 4-0 and, and barely registering a shot on goal uh, isn't ideal I'm not I'm pretty happy to draw a line through it um, especially given Oxford have uh, Fleetwood at home on on Saturday who having watched back the highlights basically look like the only other team as woeful as Oxford were over the weekend mm. um, so that could be an interesting clash to see where they both stand but um
0: the Barnsley apparently were very, very good indeed. Uh, we, and we were told that Daniel Stendel was going to try and implement a very German, modern, high pressing game. And watching the highlights, every time they attacked, in fact, even in defence, the energy was so noticeable. The difference in energy between the two sides, yeah, and yeah, we know yeah. that we, Robinson's Oxford play a possession based well, game. But by
1: but. all accounts, we, we barely had a sniff of, of you know. Possession of, of, of spells of possession, at least. Um, the one player who he's got all the plaudits two players really uh, Alex Mowat, frustratingly, was apparently very, very good indeed, who was on Oxford last season, mm. and Kenneth Dougal, mm. who, um, who I think is their only signing. Uh, they brought in from Sparta Rotterdam, uh, a centre midfield player who, who had Oxford and Barnsley fans purring, who nearly scored from the halfway line as well.
0: I've already seen a tweet saying that he's playing two leagues below the level he should be playing at. Uh, a true, he's a Prem player. Yeah, it looks like a real Rolls Royce of a player. So plenty for, for Barnsley fans to get excited about. Liam Lindsay had a great game at the back. Another frustrating one, I guess, for Oxford fans who were so heavily linked to him this time last year before he signed for Barnsley. The most remarkable thing for me, 4-0, and Bradshaw and more you know, didn't even barely register a, a shot. So yeah. you think maybe plenty more to come from Barnsley and their fans can probably be a bit excited about that. Sunderland beat Charlton 2-1 in the last minute. This was a, a remarkable game which started with Chris Maguire giving away a penalty. Uh, I'm not well, I, even... saw, I saw... Uh... David Jones, who's obviously
1: an ex-Oxford director and uh, lifelong uh, Sunderland fan, saying that's the first time he's ever seen Chris Maguire make a tackle in the opposition box. (laughs) And he hopes it's the last as well.
0: Yeah, incredible pace from Carlin Grant, who Mm. looked absolutely on it uh, to start the season. That is, of course, for those of you who have missed this name change, (laughs) Carlin Ahern Grant, who spent the second half of last season being very good for Crawley in League Two. Uh, He's now very much part of the Charlton team, uh, but he has dropped the Ahern part of his name, so just Carlin Grant. So uh, that's a bit of intel from you. I mean, the the winning goal, George, Lyndon Gooch heading home from a Brian Oviedo cross. I mean, Oviedo's a uh, a, a storied international player for Costa Rica, dropping Mm. down in League Two and showed his quality there, but... uh, it's it's an interesting one from from my point of view. We've noted over the course of the summer how well the Sunderland owners have done to, to to turn things around, raise morale, and and you know done some good PR in a sense as well. And what it can translate to is those sorts of moments, those last minute winners that can really help a team build momentum at the start of the season.
1: Definitely, I think if you're a, if you're a new owner um, or a new manager like Jack Ross coming into a club. I think you couldn't really have scripted it better um, as a as a momentum builder because when you go down, you come back and you win in the last minute. It just galvanises everyone uh, players, fans, um, management, staff. Everyone will be on such a buzz on the back of what, on the face of it, probably isn't that great a result. In terms, of, it's obviously a, a three points and that's huge. But but you know you've scraped a two one home win, um, but it won't feel like that to them. And it's interesting, you know, again watching the highlights back. Uh, a lot of chances created from set pieces with with, with Chris Maguire Chris McGuire at the forefront, oh. uh, whether it was a shot from about 25 yards that was parried away, uh, a couple of really interesting corner routines as well. And even Gooch's goal came from Gooch totally miscontrolling a, a <laughs> Maguire cutback from a corner. So, yeah. Sunderland fans, one to watch out for there. I reckon you, you know, your centre-backs and, and some clever if there are people behind the scenes uh, working on those you'll have some clever set piece play because Mags can put the ball on a sixpence from 20-25 from yards
0: It was always going to be the case but it's, it's still a remarkable squad and starting 11 on paper I mean you've still got you've got 16 year old Barley Mumba starting in the centre of the park absolutely incredible Josh Major uh, another young striker he got the equaliser. Jerome Sinclair came off the bench and was, was pretty lively by all accounts. Uh, you've got players like Jack Baldwin on the bench, who's obviously signed uh, in the last few weeks from Peterborough. And a player that I really want to see more of is Elliot Embleton. He didn't come off the bench uh, in on Saturday because they have got quite a lot of midfield players. But Embleton is an England Under-19 international uh, attacking midfield player, played really well. Basically the only bright spot in England's under-19 European Championships campaign last month and uh, I'd love to see him get some some minutes this year. He's got big competition at Sunderland but seems like a player that we want to be keeping an eye on and moving downwards in League One there were a lot of teams who picked up very valuable opening day wins. Impressive away wins for Rochdale at Burton, uh, for Scunthorpe at Coventry, a really good take and finish from Stephen Humphreys uh, who is... At uh, Scunthorpe now, he was on loan at Rochdale last season. He's a Fulham youth product, and he looks really, really sharp. And the winner, of course, for Scunthorpe was scored by Andy Dales, who they signed from Michelover Sports in the the Midlands League or the Northern League or or one of the non-league leagues, and that was a nice story. You mentioned George Fleetwood losing at home to Wimbledon. Absolutely dominated performance by Wimbledon. And Joe Piggott, good for the winner. And in Peterborough, you had a side with... 12 players who made their debuts, three of them from the bench, nine of them in the starting 11. Uh, We had a posh fan tweet us saying that uh, it was good to have some height in the team for once. Dembele is a baller. And Woodyard and Godden looked good with a solid performance from Daniel at left back. And uh, that's a good start to the season for Peterborough. And then Pompey and Luton, I was very much in my own head. I'm not sure I even told you about this. I was sort of pitting this as, as me versus you in the sense that you were quite big on Luton, before the start of the season, we had them uh, automatically promoted. I was relatively big on Pompey. I think we had them in fourth, uh, and Pompey got the win 1-0. looked like a pretty tight game, and it could be one of those ones where in a few weeks' time we realise that two very good teams played against each other in in the first game of the season.
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that, because I, um, having watched the highlights and seen the chances of Luton missed and having seen some of what their fans and Pompey fans have said, uh, it seems like Portsmouth have uh, acknowledged that they... They won scrappy, they won dirty, and that they were they weren 't the better team on the day so um if you 're pitching this me v you it might be uh, you 've won the battle, but i 'm still expecting <laughs> to win the war because um I think that Luton showed their quality and showed that they 're in the in the right league here, and they 've gone to a team who are, who are going to be um very competitive indeed, obviously, uh, and whilst they 've been beaten i think they've they 've proven themselves at the level, so i 'm looking forward to to more good performances and hopefully some wins for Luton going forward.
0: Walsall beat Plymouth 2-1. At two parts to this game, really. A good opening day performance from Walsall, in particular George Dobson at Mark Langdown racing post legend was in touch to say he was very impressed with Dobson's range of passing in that win and Plymouth's goal scored by Ryan Edwards uh, on his return to football after suffering from testicular cancer last season showed great courage uh, to to recover from that and you could tell by the reaction of his teammates that um, they were all absolutely thrilled for him so that was a a lovely lovely moment brilliant free kick from Leahy to win it for Walsall who also had uh, Cook who they signed in the summer from Tranmere, scoring on his debut a, a rebound from a penalty that he missed. Uh, last one from League One, Shrewsbury losing at home to Bradford. Mark Lynch, who's a Shrews, ra- Shrews fan, said that Bradford quite impressed him with a good forward line. That is, of course, Miller. Uh, that is Doyle and Mr Payne, who you've mentioned a number of times. He scored the winner with a strike of unnerving accuracy. Uh, obviously, Shrewsbury looked like they're losing Toto Inciala and Siala and... John Nolan to Ipswich so that that rule about not selling to Paul Hurst Ipswich is uh, well, yeah, gone I mean, out the window.
1: But I thought they looked alright to be honest. I um I think the the woodwork was hit more often than uh, than most games in, in this one where both yeah. teams went very close indeed. Uh, Bradford missed a couple of real sitters as well but, but Shrewsbury were, were unlucky not to um draw level a couple of times there. So even though you know neither Nolan or N- NCR are in the squad uh, obviously ahead of their move so this was the Shrewsbury that are going to continue to play and I thought they were there were signs of life there. So maybe not too much to get downhearted about, but obviously two huge losses um, seem to, I think Waterfall from Lincoln is going to be coming into and place in Sinala, which seems like a shrewd acquisition to me. So um, yeah, we'll see
0: couple of other things that caught my eye just quick hits here the the Rochdale result I mentioned winning at Burton brilliant goals really from Brad Inman in the first 25 minutes of that game linking up really well with summer signing uh, Mr Wilbraham so that was nice to see two summer signings on fire for Rochdale Henderson involved as well in the second goal Uh, Southend lost at home to Doncaster 3-2 bit of a weird game this one Southend dominating for 70 minutes and scoring two goals uh, towards the end. But in the 20 minutes in between, when they didn't dominate, Doncaster scored three. So a really, really valuable opening day win for Donny against Southend, who I think will be slightly scratching their heads as to how they didn't get anything out of the game. Moving down to League Two now, and we have the result of the weekend on paper. And that was Crew 6 Morcum, Morecambe 0. It, it really did look like a fantastic performance from crew. We've had a, a message from Morecambe fan, Matthew Sieg, very much our Morecambe correspondent, Seege, And he said, every single Morecambe player was shockingly bad, which makes it difficult to judge whether crew are any good or whether we were just, or whether they were just up against a Northwest counties level of opponent on the day. I did like Charlie Kirk for them though, thought he was excellent. So Kirk was heavily involved as was Jamie Jones. They, they just looked pretty slick Crew, and it's a, a, a wonderful way to start the season. Alex Nichols with a brace there as well. Uh, who else did we want to touch on in League Two, George? Forrest Green, 4 1 winners at Grimsby. Well, it's,
1: it's kind of Grimsby I want to touch on more than Forrest Green, um, taking the lead after with, with a penalty, and then just the absolutely shambolic nature of the goals they conceded. I mean, one pass back that goes straight in, and then the last one, a pass back which he's barely touched, which has been intercepted by Deutsch and, and stuck in. Uh, set pieces as well, Deutsch's first one was just no marking, I mean this, this, this is what I was worried about, where, where Johnny's managed to keep them up and he needed to, to carry on the good feeling there and I mean you saw the, the, the state of the fans after that, imagine turning up to the first game of the season and seeing those mistakes being made, I mean I, I know I support a team that have just been beat 4-0 but I think we can say we were fairly beaten whereas seeing your team just completely throw in the towel and make just bonkers errors um, is really, really sad to see, so especially to a team like Forest Green who whilst, you and I maybe have them as um, doing quite well this season. They were third or fourth favourites for the drop here. So, uh. I mean, as EFL starts to go, I think the Grimsby take the biscuit for the worst one, even ahead of Morecambe, because at home from 1-0 up, to, to have that hour of football that, that we saw was, was really catastrophic. So we're going to see the real... Uh, we're going to see what Michael Jolly is all about now, because he's got a hell of a job to, to, to turn this around straight away and, and get them over what was a, a horrible defeat.
0: Really, really strong start to the season for Mansfield, who blitzed Newport at home. Otis Khan's summer signing on flames from what I saw. Tyler Walker scored two. Craig Davis, the third of the, the sort of big attacking summer signings, hit the post, got an assist, looked really, really good. Sam Binch, if, if Sege is our Morecambe correspondent, Sam is certainly our Mansfield correspondent. Uh, he says it was a shaky start, but improved as the game went on. Two great goals by Otis Khan. Interesting seeing the 3-5-2 in the league for the first time. Matt Preston and Mal Benning also impressed. So very good signs for Mansfield there. And and an early statement, I think, George, uh, at six fields from Lincoln, who were top of our predicted league two table uh, at my request. It looked like a pretty even game. I know that Josh Vickers, the Lincoln goalkeeper, made a string of excellent saves, but... Bit of an early statement that I think and a really, really valuable away win. How did your pick for the title MK Dons get on on the weekend?
1: Uh, yeah, a victory. 2-1 away at Oldham. Uh, nice double whammy as well g- given that we've been pretty anti-Oldham and Batlands go down. Um, so happy with that. I think that...
0: And given you tipped up MK Don's on the NTT20 betting show on Thursday. Yeah,
1: that well, that's a good thing. MK Don's winning and, and Bradford winning as well were the two winners there. Um, so yeah, a good start for Tisdale. They took an early lead and you'd like to have seen them maybe extend that. But um, but having conceded a goal, they managed to hold out for the win, which is important. So, yeah, very good start for them. Um, not an easy game to open up with, despite our, our worries at Oldham. So uh, good to get over that hump.
0: One of the questions that we asked in our League 2 season preview was, how good can Tom Pope and Ricky Miller be together? And it looks good to start with. 3-0 winners, Port Vale against Cambridge and a Cambridge fan tweeted us to say one team looked like they will go up and another looks like it will be a long long season so we might have got those two the wrong way around in our pre-season predictions although a very long Uh, way to go but Ricky Miller scored a a brilliant free kick Uh, Pope scored a pen and a, a really good header as well so certainly for Vale fans a great start to the season Exeter another good another team rather with a very good start to the season Nicky Law Looked absolutely brilliant. He was everywhere on the highlights reel. Uh, and that was confirmed by, uh, by someone that, that tweeted in. Stockley and Fort looked pretty good up front as well. So extra 3-1 winners against Carlisle. I know that from Carlisle's point of view, uh, things are looking really, really worrying. There's an article on a website called The Football Life, which I will share via retweet at ntt 20 Pod. And it looks very, 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 very worrying at Carlisle. All sorts of issues going on behind the scenes. And um, there's a real sense, the last line of that is, there's only so long those truths can hold before it all comes crashing down. So Carlisle with a a disappointing start to the season and and possible worries there. Lastly, George, last one, we'll finish on, on a happy note. Swindon winning against Macclesfield, three goals to two. Bit of a weird one, this, in that Michael Doughty wearing number three and playing central midfield. Scored a hat-trick, which comprised of a header. Don't think he scores many of those. And two injury-time penalties, something like 90 plus three and 90 plus seven. So an early win for Swindon. Macclesfield probably feeling a little hard done by having been ahead in that game. And uh, Lawrence Vigaru was back in goal for Swindon. I saw some Swindon fans when he came back from his loan out in Ireland saying that that was good because now they've got the best goalkeeper in the league back. Now for Macclesfield's second goal, he passed the ball straight to Kobe Arthur and then got lobbed. So a mistake and then a bit of embarrassment. Why do Swindon fans think he's so good? Because I know that you don't.
1: Mate, you, you're asking the wrong person here because you're asking someone who... I've, I've only ever seen him be rubbish. So, But long may it continue that, that a club... Um, that they want to keep him because you know they're obviously happy with him. So it means... He's, yeah, I, I, it baffles me. I've, I've just never really seen him make a good save <laughs> um, and I've seen him make lots of errors. So any Swindon fans... Um, who want to kind of explain to us why, what it is. I want to know what it is that makes Vigoro so good because um, we can't see it. And tell us more than just the fact that he's the best keeper in the league and he's got you loads of points because I'd like to see some saves. A
0: couple of minutes to go till the end of the pod and we'll just rattle through some transfers and some transfer rumours. Wanted to quickly read out a tweet from Dale Johnson at ESPN uh, just about Thursday's deadline. He says it's worth pointing out that Thursday is only a soft transfer deadline day for EFL clubs. Players can still be signed on loan with a permanent agreement activated on January the 1st, right up until August the 31st. So there will be permanent transfers still being done right through August. Now, I, I didn't think that was necessarily the case. But
1: I, I think that's also a little bit misleading, where I think you can have loans. That makes it sound like you can only have a loan if there's a permanent transfer at the end of it. Whereas I think you can also just have loans as okay. well. Okay,
0: but you can also have... Loans, loans and with, with perms.
1: Yeah, I mean that would be a given.
0: But, yeah, I know, but what I'm, there will be loans which are clearly loans, yes. and yeah. there will be. I'm thinking of Aston Villa here. Yeah, yeah people yeah. who sign on loan, yeah. and it's basically just a way of getting around yeah. the soft deadline. That's I mean, easy. it's it's all a little bit confusing. George uh, Martin Waghorn is at Derby ahead of a, uh, a deal there. Stuart Watson, the Ipswich Journal, says he understands it to be five million pounds with the potential to reach seven point five million pounds. There's a lot of people going, why why Martin Waghorn for that much money? And why when you're derby with all those other players already?
1: I like, cannot believe that Jack Marriott and Martin Waghorn are gonna go to Derby for over ten million quid. That is like absolutely insane. I mean I know we live in a in a world now where transfer fees aren't necessarily as important as they used to be. Um, but I think that in terms of of for money, if you look at the business that, say, uh, Paul Hurst himself is doing and the money he's bringing in the players for, and you compare that to bringing in a guy who's had a great season in League One last year and in Waghorn, a player who's scored goals at Ipswich, kind of, who's never really proven himself in, in England. Um, yeah, it sounds... And, and when you've got a plethora of options in those positions already at the club... Um, I think the Derby squad looks very strong and I think that they, they made a good start but in terms of, of transfer policy um, it feels a bit like they're maybe the Manchester United of the championship at the moment where they've lost their marbles when it comes to value
0: I like the idea of scoring goals, kind of, which is what Martin Van did at Ipswich. I, like that.
1: that's, you know, I think 16 league goals and 44 is like the definition of kind of scoring goals. <laughs> Toto. You know, you're not prolific, but
0: <laughs> you score some goals. Toto and Siala and John Nolan heading to Ipswich to complete their moves. For two million quid.
1: Screen. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's yeah?
0: Just, yeah? What is yeah. it?
1: It's just much better.
0: Well, tell the listeners. Don't just say
1: yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, Nolan will be fantastic at that level. Um, I just hope that Ipswich managed to, to play a style of football that enables them to get on the front foot um, enough. Um, and Siala was obviously amazing last season at, Sh- at Shrewsbury. Um, the player that I used to see um, a bit at Grimsby was was fair, quite error-prone, but it looks like he may have won that out of his game now. So um, I think he'll have the, possibly a tougher time stepping up, but he's also you know fairly raw, and, and you'd think we'll, we'll c- carry on to improve, whereas I think Noden could easily be a, a real real class act at a championship level.
0: Last question for you, last club to touch on. I don't <laughs> want to finish on a negative note, but that's what we might be doing. I'm going to ask your opinion on Middlesbrough here. Uh, they started the season very badly, 2-0 down to Millwall quite early on in that game. Fought back to draw 2-2, showed good character there, two goals from sort of scrappy set pieces or following a breakdown after a set piece. Uh, very Tony Pulis. But it looks as though the Adama Traore deal will be done before the end of the... Well, before the aforementioned soft deadline. And Ben Gibson has moved away to Burnley for 15 mil. So how worrying is that from your point of view for Borough? The team, I might remind you, we tipped to finish second and be automatically promoted. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's a concern, um, but... I think it's, it's hard to judge now. When we, you know, In a week's time or at the end of the month, we'll have a better idea of, of where that money's going. You know, 50 million quid for Ben Gibson if you're going to reinvest in the squads for reinforcements further up the pitch. And that's 30 million quid for the two of them. Um, you'd expect there to be some serious quality brought in. You add to that the for money as well. Um, I think the Borough are, are, are a very well-run club who will be looking to return to the Premier League as well. So I can't imagine that money's going to go anywhere else but, but reinvestment. So and Tony Pudis will know what he wants. Um, so whilst at the moment it's slightly alarming for Borough fans, um, again, huge couple of goals later on in that game to ensure they came away with a point. Um, I also like the fact that every chance you saw Borough had, you'd always see Aidan Flint just kind of knocking around the six-yard box. <laughs> so And he also missed a very good chance as well, which kind of looked like a striker's chance. It wasn't even from a set-piece, he was just caught up the field. Um, they're going to be interesting, but uh, yeah, I'm reserving judgment on on the sales of, of, of Traoré and, and Gibson until we maybe see a little bit more.
0: And there is one more thing. The breaking news in the EFL, as we've been recording, is that Gary Bowyer has resigned as Blackpool manager. Georgia word on Gary Bowyer and uh, what we can expect to see from him and what we can maybe expect to see from Blackpool.
1: Well, in the statement, it doesn't really mention why he's gone. It just says, we hope you enjoy your your time with your family and and, and feel well rested for whatever challenge you take on next. He's obviously said to the club that he needs a bit of a break. Um, so hopefully he gets that I think that this is bad news for Blackpool obviously Um, it'll be interesting to see who they do get in Um, but I think Boya is seen by most fans as being basically the reason why they're in this league both in terms of their promotion uh, two years ago and also their staying up last season as well Um, so it could all fall apart there you and I both immediately looked at the relegation market and saw they were 7 or 2 I don't think that'll hang around for very long um so it's gonna be tough for them. Who can who can they bring in? Could it be a glorious return to Blackpool for, for Big Sam? <laughs> that would be not gonna happen. Um it's it's hard to really think of it. It's the worst time to have to man to have to replace a manager because yeah. everyone who's been up for jobs has been going for it over the um over the summer. So um unless it's a glorious return for the pint of wine, I think that we're gonna um it's gonna be difficult for them to bring in a big name
0: brilliant stuff well thank you very much for listening everyone Uh, we've already got so much out of you over the last few weeks so much support so many shares but we will ask that if you get to this part of the podcast and you've feel that it's 45 minutes well spent, then do share the tweet, uh, retweet or or do your own. Drop the link on the club forum. We get so many listens when you guys uh, go on your forum and say, you know, listen to these guys because there are plenty of people that we can't reach always. And uh, it's great to, to start reaching new people, new listeners, as always. We're really grateful for your support. Make sure you're subscribed to us. Get ready for the second ntt20 betting show on thursday Uh, we might slip in some transfer deadline day stuff in there as well and as ever make sure you're following on twitter at ntt20pod and uh, we'll speak again soon